This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, we've got an excellent episode today. Yeah, it's busy out there and there's a lot of a lot of news coming out as well. So yeah, it's it's a good time to get back in the studio here. A lot of media outlets have talked about the market. You know, Vancouver market seems to be heating up. It and, does. Uh, it appears that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we've been talking about that for a while. It's glad that the media is... Uh, picking up on it as well. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that people are getting good information because it depends who you talk to. Some people think the market's still down from the foreign buyer tax. Yeah, and and but the last three, four months, we've been talking about how the market is busy and uh, the stats came out this last uh, last week and, right. and the proof is in the pudding there. Like the sales ratios are nuts. Proof is in the pudding. That's right. Um, so hey, That's an old saying. That is an old saying. So Matt, today we've got an exciting episode. We're talking about Chinatown. Yeah, and we're talking about the site at 105 Kiefer. Yeah, so that's been in the news uh, quite a bit lately. There's right. a raging debate, you know, as goes 105 Kiefer goes Vancouver. You know, it's a very important site uh, that's under development by the BD Group or potentially under development. Uh, right. It's uh, there's the town hall meetings that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Very contentious issue. It is, yeah. And we have Beverly Ho from the Chinatown Concern Group, a social activist who participated in those meetings on to right. talk about their uh, concerns. And we also have Jenny Kwan, the Member of Parliament from Vancouver East, talking about the importance of Chinatown and her stance on the uh, development of 105 Kiefer. And it's interesting because both of them are very concerned of the redevelopment of, of this site, but for different reasons. That's right, yeah. 
Beverly Ho is clearly concerned about social housing, uh, whereas Jenny Kwan, obviously that would be part of Jenny Kwan's concern as well, but she has more of a heritage component. So they really kind of complement each other, I think, very well. Yeah, I think they get at the main issues of concern in, in Chinatown. And, you know, we should say 105 Kiefer is has been in the news, but uh, you can tell that these people are concerned for a reason. There was a new city plan about Northeast Falls Creek just released. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot for a long time. Right. But, um, you know, the neighborhood is transforming very quickly. And Adam, you have kind of the, the Coles notes here for this amazing plan that the city just released. Yeah. So we had our first episode with Holly Sovdi about a year ago or maybe even longer the than that. In the first five, yeah. In the first five, talking about what changes coming to Northeast Falls Creek. At that time, it was basically Holly Sovdi explaining some of the some of the concepts that they had. But now we've got something that's a bit more firm and, yeah, and concrete, uh, a, a, right, for sure. a possible model here. So the idea is, so first of all, they've got designer James Corner, who was the landscape architect behind um, Highland Park in New York City. Yeah. Um, so he's he's a, a notable landscape architect. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they're doing, first of all, is Creekside Park is being expanded. So there's going to be an 11-acre extension. Um, yeah, it's an incredible space. Yeah, so it's going to be huge. There's going to be a lot of green space coming. Um, they're doing a, a new skateboard park. They're doing um, a water play pl- plaza. Well, this is all proposed. Um, a reconfiguration of the seawall. Uh, they want to do an elevated park, Dunsmuir Park, which is going to be elevated. There's going to be some views. There's going to be some beautiful gardens. And uh, wait for it, Matt. Some more bike lanes coming. Whew. Thank, thank that God. That was the that was the surprising part of the proposal. <laughs> um, but you know what, what's interesting about this is you can see where the real pressure coming on Chinatown and Strathcona, areas like that, where there's lots of redevelopment. And we've talked about it several times, the new St. Paul's Hospital, which is coming right. to Station Street between National and Pryor, yeah. which is going to be changing the area. The viaducts coming The viaducts down. coming down. And now we've got these plans for you know, all these changes coming to Northeast Falls Creek, that's basically going to open up Chinatown, Strathcona, Gastown, Crosstown, all to waterfront, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. which is going to completely transform a lot of things. And it obviously, there's going to be conversations about social housing and conversations about market strata buildings being built. And that's why we have Beverly Ho on, and that's why we have Jenny Kwan on. And these folks are talking about development pressure in Chinatown. Right. And, um, you know, in my mind, you ain't seen nothing yet because this neighborhood's going to be world class. Uh, it's already a fantastic neighborhood, but... Um, but how we get there is, is I think, the, the message, right? I mean, how do you, how do, you do it with, with taking everybody's ideas and concerns into consideration? Well, yeah, and these folks are talking about 105 Kiefer as, you know, a continuation of the freeway debates of the 1960s. It's that important. And right. when you put it in this larger context, um, you know, I think they're right. Yeah. Uh, the way of 105 Kiefer is, is very important for the future of the neighborhood. It could be spectacular, but mistakes could be made. Yeah, and undoubtedly they will. Yeah. So without further ado, here's our interview with Beverly Ho. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Beverly Ho from the Chinatown Concern Group. How are you doing, Beverly? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time. Can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, the Chinatown Concern Group? Yeah. I'm uh, Beverly Ho. I grew up in Vancouver. I've been with Concern Group for about a year or so, and we organize against gentrification and 
uh, displacement of the low-income community. Yeah, and we want more social housing in the neighborhood. Focused on Chinatown exclusively, or? Um, yeah, so the original project was a Carnegie Community Action Project, CCAP. Um, and my coworker King Wong, when he uh, started working for them, he realized that uh, Chinatown and Chinese-speaking like residents in the area couldn't really get involved. So that's why he started Concern Group. But we have the same housing justice mandate as CCAP. Fantastic. So what is your connection to Chinatown? Um, I grew up frequenting Chinatown. Both my grandmas live there and uh, like a lot of seniors who live there now, uh, they depend on the resources um, and the community there, like the cheap and fresh grocery fishmongers. Do you guys have any connection to the group's success as well? Or do you engage them as stakeholders? Um, no, we don't. Okay, just out of curiosity. There are some seniors who uh, go there for some of their activities or their services, but um, it seems like they don't have a lot of capacity unless uh, you're a new immigrant. And a lot of their services cost money. Right. So how many people are involved in Chinatown Concern Group and who is involved in this movement, I guess? It's hard to count because I guess at our regular meetings, there's usually um, a couple dozen uh, low-income seniors who live in the area. But overall, I'd say around like 40 or 50 uh, Chinatown residents. And then, yeah, a few dozen youth who uh, support us and have been getting involved in Concern Group. But there's other groups that have been active in town in the past few years that we cross paths with and work with occasionally. Okay. So what is the group's main concerns with the proposed development at 105 Kiefer? Um, Concern groups, what we're scared of is that there's over 100 proposed market condo units that'll gentrify Chinatown. So we've seen at Woodward's that in the area, the rents were $375, the vicinity around Woodward's. And then by 2013, because Woodward's was a social mix project, and there are twice as many higher income units than low income units. So after the project came in, uh, a lot of rooms charged 500 a month. So it's like super out of reach for people on welfare who only get 610. So we're scared that it'll raise rents in the area and people keep tooting the social housing units. The city and the developer keep saying we have 25 senior social housing units um, but they, they said at the public hearings that uh, eight of the units will be around um, eight to $900 a month, which is out of reach for a lot of our seniors who are on OAS, on fixed income. And so the other 17 will be even more expensive. So it's really like these social housing units aren't there for us. It sounds like social housing is the primary concern. Is there a heritage component to your group or or a kind of larger vision for Chinatown as Chinatown, or is it primarily about social housing? Primarily focused on social housing. And yeah, there is a heritage component because it's right next to the Chinatown Memorial, which commemorates uh, early Chinese workers, immigrants, and veterans. So a lot of our members their relatives had to pay the head tax. And so they think the development is really disrespectful because they can't even afford to live in Chinatown anymore. 
Right. Yeah, if it gets passed and it moves in. So you attended some, if not all, of the the meetings, the town hall meetings regarding 105 Kiefer, presumably. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about those meetings? Uh, yep, yeah, I went to all of them. So it was over 20 hours because uh, over 300 people signed up to speak. I think around 200 actually spoke, and were, there were 150 in opposition to it and 46 who supported the current 105 rezoning, and the process is really long, and it's really inaccessible to um, our members, a lot of whom are uh, senior women and who are illiterate in Chinese and English, and so they did offer interpretation for the speaker if they didn't speak English, but they also only got five minutes, the same as everyone else, so they got half the time, because half of it would have to be used for interpretation. And so, yeah, our members just found it really hard because they couldn't understand what was going on and it went really late every night. Yeah, but I think they spoke really well. Was it a success for you guys? Do you consider those meetings a success? Yeah, I would say it's a success. Um, I was surprised, actually, by how many people came out to support our vision and to speak out. Um, against this development and so I'm really grateful for that and yeah I think we made a big splash in media and uh, at City Hall as well. Right. Do you ever hear from members of the community um, Beverly who actually support development in Chinatown um, or support actually the project 105 Kiefer? Uh, I personally haven't. We try to mobilize um, a lot of residents and we frequently go into buildings or go to social events to try to talk to residents to make sure that um, our vision really represents them. And so an overwhelming majority of them uh, support the demands, even if they weren't able to come out to City Hall because of, I guess, mobility issues um, and things like that. I think at most, um, some seniors and residents I've met don't necessarily support the project. They're just more cynical about the city process actually being democratic and they just say things like, oh, like the city won't listen to you. There's no point. And sometimes I, I feel that way too. It feels like their voices are ignored because um, they don't have access to all these hearings and open houses that are in English. Right. So, so Beverly, um, along the, those lines here in terms of democratic process, do you have any predictions for 105 Kiefer, you think it's going to go through, or or what's what's your thoughts on that right now? I think before the public hearings, we were thinking it would go through, but I'm not so sure now because they usually make the decision right after the hearings, but they pushed it two weeks back. I really don't know because vision seems really pro development, so I think it could go either way when they decide and cancel votes. So so the city just announced that they're proposing changes to the Chinatown Heritage Zoning Bylaw, and they want to mm-hmm. encourage smaller buildings, smaller storefronts. Do you see this as, as a win that, that came out of some of the community meetings? Yeah, I think so. I think because Concern Group and a lot of our allies and supporters, we uh, protested at a lot of these Chinatown Economic Revitalization Plan um, at their open houses that... And I think the backlash from 105 Kiefer, they've decided to 
tone back on this plan, on the, I guess, original intent of the plan. But there's still not really any dedication to social housing or um, helping low-income businesses that are struggling or that have already moved out that people depended on. So yeah, we'll still be working on that as a group. So we've had people on the podcast before, like uh, members of Abundant Housing Vancouver, people who basically have the argument that supply is is going to help affordability, right? That's the key thing is just more supply across the board. Uh, presumably, you guys have thought a lot about that and, and disagree. How do you respond to people that are arguing for more supply in Chinatown along the lines of 105 Kiefer? I think we have a lot of housing in Vancouver um, and putting more market housing um, that's already unaffordable for most people in Vancouver, like let alone the low-income community in Chinatown, um, really isn't going to help the market or help potential buyers, I suppose. And we do need more supply, but of social housing at pension and welfare rate, which hasn't been built in years. Um, the city changed the definition of social housing uh, so that it can be pretty much anything under... Um, it can be anything under uh, market rate. Mm. Do you, uh, people like Henry Yu uh, have made the case that um, uh, the movement against 105 Kiefer is uh, a throwback to the movement against the anti-freeway movement of the 60s here in Vancouver. Are there parallels between these two moments in history? I would say so. I think these two movements are similar because it seems like the breaking point for Chinatown and when a lot of residents just couldn't take it anymore and decided to come together yeah, and organize against something that they strongly believe in, against something that they think will really threaten their neighborhood and their livelihoods. Excellent, Beverly. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. How can people find out more about, about you and Chinatown Concern Group? Um, we have a presence online. Uh, so if you find us on Facebook, Twitter, um, or Instagram, there's more information if people would like to get involved or contact us. Fantastic. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time, Beverly. A fa- fascinating topic, and uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. I know. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Beverly Ho. We should just get right to it here. Jenny Kwan, Member of Parliament, Vancouver East. Super excited to have Jenny Kwan on the program. Um, You know, everyone's seen her name around for years. She's been very prominent in Vancouver East and uh, in Vancouver in general. So, Matt, without further ado, here's our interview with Jenny Kwan. Member of Parliament, Vancouver East. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Jenny Kwan, Member of Parliament for Vancouver East. How are you doing, Jenny? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. So, Jenny, can you start maybe by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm, uh, yes, the Member for Vancouver East. I'm an immigrant. My family, uh, we immigrated here to Canada back in the mid-1970s. 
So I've been here for a very, very long time. I came as a little girl. And, um, you know, uh, Vancouver is a wonderful place. Canada is a fantastic place. Immigrants come here. Why? Because they want better opportunities for their children. Uh, and I certainly know that the people who came before me uh, certainly worked hard to fight for my rights, the rights that I can enjoy today, to which I am eternally grateful for. So, Jenny, did you, uh, you move to Vancouver then when you first arrived? Yeah, when we first arrived, uh, we came to uh, Vancouver uh, from our family. We were the last family to leave Hong Kong, and we came here under family reunification. In fact, uh, my aunt sponsored our family, and uh, we came under the family reunification category. Uh, it wasn't easy, I have to say, when we first arrived. Uh, we didn't speak uh, English, uh, and of course, uh, my parents had to um, find employment, and it wasn't uh, easy at all. My dad was trained as a tailor by trade, um, but he uh, had to uh, go to Vancouver Community College, learn English as a second language, and then uh, after a couple of years, he got employment, uh, really working at a factory as a cloth cutter. Uh, my mom went to the workforce for the first time in her whole life wow. uh, and worked as a dishwasher uh, until she retired. Oh, wow. And what, what neighborhood did you guys settle in, just out of curiosity? Well, in East Vancouver, like so many immigrants, and but for us, uh, you know, we kind of moved from basement suite to basement suite, uh, you know, trying to find uh, housing. And really, we lived, you know, uh, 700 square feet um, basement suite uh, with a family of eight. Um, so we just kind of roll around in East Van until we found a place um, that we could afford uh, and for our family size. But even at that, even back then, housing was not easy. Uh, as I said, you know, we lived in a basement suite that was 700 square feet, a two-bedroom basement suite uh, for a family of eight. Wow. Wow, Jenny. So are you still in East Vancouver today? Well, I'm not in East Vancouver today. Uh, we've moved um, uh, several times now, and I've moved out of East Van mostly to get closer to my brother um, so that, uh, you know, as a single mom, uh, to do the work that I do, it is difficult, and I needed to get close to family when I'm out of town uh, and uh, I'm in Ottawa, that I actually have family who can help me out with my children. Right. So, Jenny, we, we asked you to come on the program today largely because there's been a lot in the news about a new development in Chinatown uh, at 105 Kiefer. And maybe we'll just start by asking, what is, what is your history of involvement with Chinatown uh, here in Vancouver? Well, I can tell you, I still remember when I first arrived here in Canada, not speaking a word of English, um, and I met some friends at school, and um, one of the first places that they brought me to was the Chinese Library in Chinatown, uh, and that was where I sort of felt a little bit more comfortable, uh, met more people, uh, and then began to really explore the city um, outside of my immediate neighborhood. Uh, and so Chinatown comes with fond memories for me. Aside from that, of course, Chinatown was a staple for my family in terms of um, my mom stopping at, in Chinatown every day from work. She would bus three buses uh, from North Van back home and would stop in Chinatown, would pick up groceries and uh barbecue pork and barbecue duck, for example, for dinner uh, and those kinds of things. So, you know, Chinatown uh, is a significant part of, I think, many, many uh, immigrants, especially in the early years, um, because it was a place where we felt comfortable 
uh, it was a place where certainly we felt welcome. And as we know, Chinatown in its history, it existed because why the Chinese people were discriminated against. Uh, back in the day, they weren't allowed to work anywhere uh, else. They weren't welcome uh, to live anywhere else. Uh, they weren't welcome to socialize anywhere else. So Chinatown emerged uh, in that scenario. A lot of the clan associations exist today. They came out of the era where they provided a space, a place for people to live, a place for people to socialize, and a place for people to hang out, because, frankly, they weren't welcome anywhere else because there was rampant, rampant uh, racism and discrimination. Right. So Chinatown's seen a huge transition or, or a lot of changes over the last uh, couple of years here, a, a few new developments. It's kind of the hip place to be um, for, for younger people here in Vancouver. Um, and obviously developers are, are chomping at the bit. What is your position on the proposed redevelopment at, at 105 Kiefer? Well, there's no question that is huge redevelopment pressures um, for Chinatown. Uh, and for 105 Kiefer, which is a very important site uh, in Chinatown, I'm opposed to the redevelopment for 105 Kiefer. Why do I say that? That site is right at the entry from the south side of the city uh, to Chinatown. Uh, it sits right next to the Chinese Cultural Center, uh, and it sits next to the Dr. Sen Yafen Gardens, uh, as well as the Chinese Memorial for the uh, Railroad Workers and the Veterans. Uh, and to have a giant, massive, dense building like 105 Kiefer to be built right next to those sites, I just think is absolutely unconscionable. It will change the character of Chinatown. Um, it overshadows uh, those significant sites. Uh, and, uh, and and it's just so absolutely wrong. In touching on that, so why do you think that there's been such a strong community backlash against this project? Do you think it has to do with the proposed site or or is it generally just a larger theme of just changes happening to the community? Well, I, I think it's, um, there are a number of uh, issues at play. For sure, the proposed site is um, significant. That site, as mentioned, uh, is not just any site. It is a significant site that is just strategically placed in Chinatown. Uh, and what happens on that site will have ramifications, I think, for the rest of Chinatown. And I think people know that. Uh, and that's why I think people have come out to, see, to City Hall to express their point of view, not just people from the Chinese community, but people from all different cultures and backgrounds have come to uh, City Hall to speak against 105 Kiefer. Um, the other thing around the backlash is this. Historic Chinatown is a part of our history. We just went through an exercise, by the way, where the federal government recognized historic Chinatown uh, and acknowledged it as a national heritage site. Uh, a plaque was just unveiled most recently for right. that. And there are people in our community who is going through the process of applying to UNESCO to have uh, this be designated as a world heritage site. You know, Chinatown in Vancouver, I believe, is the second largest Chinatown in North America. And I would say that the significance of Chinatown should not be underestimated, uh, not only just to our history, to our culture, but also as a potential economic driver. We could turn Chinatown around and use that as what it had been 
uh, for so long, and that is also a tourist attraction as well. You know, this year we celebrate our 150th anniversary for this country, and um, we need to remember that this country exists in no small part because of the Chinese community's contributions, and particularly in British Columbia, in helping build the railway, in connecting uh us from coast to coast to coast without that work. And by the way, the Chinese workers at that time, they took on the most dangerous jobs, the hardest work, the most backbreaking work in building that railway. And is this how we want to repay the people before us who help us build this country, the veterans who went to war to fight for our rights so that we can enjoy our freedoms today? Is this how we want to repay them? Really go through a process of erasing that history in historic Chinatown, I hope not. Right, right. And you make you make a lot of excellent points about about the complicated nature of it. But we're seeing now that just just in the last day, the city's released new plans for Northeast Falls Creek. Um, lots of changes coming to kind of the crosstown community, Strathcona, the viaducts coming down. The pressure seems to be there. Do you think that there are any ways that we can revitalize Chinatown or offered redevelopment potential that will make all stakeholders happy? Well, I do think that we can have ways to revitalize Chinatown. It requires more work. Uh, is not, uh, you know, the quick fix that people always turn to. And that is to say, whenever we say you have to revitalize a community, the automatic answer is almost always to say, oh, let's redevelop. Right. And put massive high-rises and condos, luxury condos, and that's how we can revitalize a community. Um, I disagree with that. Um, I've talked to a lot of uh, people in our community. They've come to me, uh, what I call the old Chinese people who've been here for a very long time. Uh, the new arrivals, uh, they they've, uh, have said to me that while they haven't been here for as long, but they recognize and understand the importance of historic Chinatown, and they want to assist in that process. People are making ideas and suggestions. So take, for example, you know, in Hong Kong, I remember this as a child, you know, we used to have a street, uh, uh, an area in Hong Kong, where it is a sort of a hub of a place for different eateries, all kinds of uh, stalls and all kinds of tables on the streets of different kinds of uh, cuisine uh, from the Chinese culture. In You know, for the Chinese culture, there are many, many different kinds of cuisine. Like, why can't we turn that into Chinatown as an example, turn it into a hub, you know, and it doesn't have to be expensive. So there's all kinds of ways to do that. And there's interest from the community to do that, you know, um, and people are working hard. So it would be great for all levels of government to work together to this end. Uh, for 105 Kiefer, you know, I suggest a couple of things. One would be for the federal government to take some of that infrastructure money that they have set aside for this country um, to help revitalize Chinatown. We can purchase that site and use that site that will contribute uh, and honor the people that came before us and to um, preserve uh, the history of Chinatown, right? So it's one opportunity to do that, one option. Another would be we can do a land swap. That's been done before in the city of Vancouver, particularly I remember with the Aboriginal communities where the developer wanted to uh, build on a site where it was a sacred site in the sense that uh, it was a burial ground for Aboriginal peoples and it would be completely inappropriate to build on top of uh, the dead. And so um, after much 
uh, community protests and rallies and so on. Uh, an agreement was finally reached where they, the, the government would engage in a discussion with the developer, and ultimately they agreed on the land swap. So maybe we can do that and look and see how we can save 105 Kiefer uh, and perhaps to do a land swap for the developer to develop their proposal somewhere else, but not in historic Chinatown in this significant site that will, I think, change the face of Chinatown. You have to remember the history of Chinatown. You know, we survived fires. You know, we rose from the ashes and Chinatown was rebuilt. Uh, we survived riots. We survived, really, the threat of a freeway bulldozing Chinatown and to uh, re- really uh, eliminate the community. We survived all of those uh, huge challenges. Now, in 2017, I sure as heck hope that we can survive the pressure of redevelopment. Historic Chinatown is too precious. It is a national treasure. The government, the federal government has designated as such. So let's honor that because if we don't, our history will be gone and it will be forgotten. Jenny, just before switching gears here, and and we can tell you're passionate about Chinatown and uh, the future, do you have a prediction of what's going to happen? It sounds like you have some fantastic ideas. Do you think this proposal is going to go through? I don't really know. I have no uh, prediction at all, uh, but I'm really hoping that the council would hear the words of the community. And it is a very broad-based community who are voicing concerns around 105 Kiefer. Um, If the council approves 105 Kiefer, I believe that this will be the beginning to the end of Chinatown. Uh, We have, you know, seniors who've gone to council to say, please don't do this. I don't support this uh, redevelopment proposal. I've had veterans who uh, joined forces uh, uh, with me to say no to council on this uh, proposal that was more than a year ago, that veterans who fought in the Second World War who came forward to say, we want to preserve historic Chinatown. We have new immigrants, people that are new to our community who's not had as long a history as some of us have. They too want to preserve this history and recognize the importance of that. We have young people, young generation who did not grow up in Chinatown. And uh, and they say that we want to preserve this for future generation so that we can always pay tribute to our ancestors and be uh, proud of their uh, incredible contributions and the hardships that they have uh, endured uh, and, and for that to be recognized uh, in historic Chinatown. You know, if you look at the um, uh, the redevelopment issues in Chinatown, this project uh, that they're proposing for the rezoning is going to be 115 feet high. It's an incredibly high building, tall building, in the context of a neighborhood where most of the other uh, buildings are somewhere between 30 to 70 feet. This giant of a building is going to massively cast a shadow, um, you know, uh, to the rest of the buildings. And if this goes, what's to say that the rest of the other uh, buildings will not go? I'm just waiting for that redevelopment pressure to wash through Chinatown. And pretty soon, all of those clan associations and all of those buildings that have such incredible character and contain such history uh, behind their walls will be lost forever. Excellent. Well, Jenny, we'll leave it there. But how can people find out more about you? How can they find out more about me? Well, um, they can go on my website, uh, which is 
you know, uh, out there. And, uh, and of course, if people want to chat with me, feel free to contact my office. I know I spend a lot of time in uh, the House of Commons as the uh, Parliament is sitting, but I come back every weekend uh, to Vancouver. Uh, and, of course, when the House is not sitting. So drop by my office uh, on Hastings uh, across from London Drugs uh, on, uh, off of uh, Nanaimo. Love to see you. Love to chat with you. And in, the, in addition to that, I also have my mobile offices. Uh, we roll around in the, you know, neighborhood houses, community centers, or farmers market uh, to try and connect with uh, people who can't make, uh, who can't get to my office. So we have a schedule for that. Uh, that's also on my website. So check me out. Hey, right on. Well, th- fantastic. Thanks again so much, Jenny, for your time, and um, that was a great talk. Thanks so much again. Thanks for having me. Take care. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Jenny Kwan, the Member of Parliament for Vancouver East. Matt, really interesting interview with Beverly and with Jenny. Um, Got to a lot of uh, contrasting views about concerns in Chinatown. Yeah, for sure. Um, And you know what? I mean, a lot of what they're saying makes sense. And I mean, there was moments when Jenny was talking where I was almost shedding a tear and uh, I didn't grow up near Chinatown. Yeah, no, I know. Jenny Kwan has the ability to wax uh, poetic there. and No um, kidding. And uh, no, it was it was a great talk. And yeah, I mean, these are all some of the concerns that we should be talking about uh, as a city, as a, a larger community. And, um, you know, it's uh, we're super happy to have them on. For sure. So Matt, maybe uh, just quickly, we're, we're going to have some exciting episodes coming up, but... Um, before we before we go here, people have been signing up for PCS. Yeah, but in droves, a lot of positive feedback. Private client services, you go to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash PCS. Sign up for listings, you get them first, and you get sold prices. It's a super useful Yeah, you get realtor tool. information, right? You get yeah. sold prices. You usually see the listings about 36 to 72 hours before they hit public MLS. And they give you days on market. It's auto updates. There's nothing better out there. Yeah, and you know what? If you you're interested enough in real estate to be listening to this podcast, you, you should be on. You, you should, should have a search. Yeah, and search. if you have a house, another thing you can do, and shoot us an email. If you have a house or a condo, and you want to just keep track of what's going on in your building, your or your immediate area, shoot us your address. We'll set you up yeah. with an automated search so you can see what your neighbors are selling for. Keep you informed as to what what your what your property is worth. Yeah. Also, we still have that review drive. Uh, we're teetering at 112 right now. Teetering. I'm telling you, sh- showered in booze. I can't believe more people aren't jumping I, on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We're, maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe it shouldn't be a boozy prize. Yeah. Maybe we should. Hey, maybe there should be an option for dinner or something. But we're, we're going we're gonna to get an amazing gift. So go on to iTunes or wherever you listen to the program. And please do give us a rating. We read them all. We really appreciate them. It's the best compliment you can give us other than getting in touch. And last but not least... Go to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We will have a post up there with the plans for Northeast Falls Creek. Looks amazing. Uh, Super excited about that. And uh, Adam, how can people reach you? You can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And Matt? Give me a shout, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And Matt, how can people reach Brady D? Actually, Brady Braden at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Excellent. So have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week with another exciting episode of Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. <laughs> Take, Take care. care. <laughs> Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 